uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side, as always, in the command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Planet 8. On this episode, we'll be celebrating our third anniversary of podcasting with Planet 8's top 10 list of greatest sci-fi films. Special guest from beyond the grave, because we have that kind of capability here, Casey Kasem. Well, thank you for inviting me today, Larry. Today's top 10 list, uh, that's the best I could do for Casey Kasem, kids, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering um, where that was going. <laughs> Uh, I do a better Shaggy than Casey Kasem, but uh, look, so what What we decided to do is celebrate three glorious years of Planet 8 with what, what Karen, Bob, and I came up with as the top 10 sci-fi films, um, at least up to the 90s, uh, late 80s, early 90s. I don't think we, we really got into the 90s on this, but we took a look at overall influence to everyone to us uh does the film still matter today uh you know to a modern audience um i'll let karen get into the nuts and bolts of how we assigned points to the list and i'll tell you kids coming up with just 10 films was tough uh before we before we started recording the show we were talking about our 14th pick our, our 11th <laughs> pick that, you know we kind of went back and forth um so anyway let's kick it over to our um reconnaissance officer up in the satellite karen please get into how we assigned points to our overall list all right larry so yeah this was really this was tough. This was, yeah, this was like the best films, not our favorite films. So we had right. to figure out how are we going to do it, um, you know, try to be fair and not be too too biased one way or another. So what we wound up doing, um, we each went off and made a list. We took about a week to make our own top 10 list. And then we, uh, we all came together, shared our lists, and then we assigned points. So basically... Any movie that got a first place got 10 points. Any movie that got a second place got nine points. If it got a third place, it got eight and so on. So if it was down, if it got a film, got a 10th place pick, it got one point. So then what we did is we just uh, went through the list, saw how many times a movie appeared. If, you know, if movie X appeared, you know, uh, in first place once, 
in second place, and then maybe last place. So that's a 10 points, a nine points, and a one point. So then it would have 20 points total. So that's all we did. We tallied up points depending on where it appeared in somebody's list. And then we, uh, we compared and figured out, okay, who's got the most points, who's got next. And then we just ranked them all one through 10. And that's how we came up with our list. It was kind of the best way we could figure out to do it. So I'm sure there's going to be some uh, contention, a little bit of disputes, but that's that's the fun of talking it over and looking at the list and figuring out what made it and what didn't. So Bob, do you want to tell us, uh, you know, kind of why some movies were picked and not others, sort of like the genre differences we were looking at? Well, we were trying to, we wanted to do science fiction. And if we open, opened it up to science fiction as a general term, like Forrest J. Ackerman called everything sci-fi, then there would be just way too much to go over. So we kind of narrowed it down to what we would consider science fiction, which means we eliminated monsters, like monster movies or horror movies or post-apocalyptic movies, and we just kind of stuck with what we considered to be science fiction. And uh, I think, for the most part, we were successful. We can let the, the audience decide as we go through the list. <laughs> I think we're counting it down, just like Casey Kasem. We're counting it down 10 to 1. That's right, Bob. That's right. <laughs> so, number 10. So, Karen? Coming in. What's our, what came in at number 10? Sarah, why don't you lead us off with the number 10 pick? I would be delighted. So, coming in at number 10 with seven points is 1987's Robocop. Mm. Now, this one was only on Larry's list. Not that I think we all enjoy it, but, uh, you know, this is interesting. The, the Actually, the last 10 through 7 on our list were all ones that were only picked by one of us. So <laughs> this is uh, a little I, interesting. I'd buy uh, that for a dollar. <laughs> I mean, I think RoboCop is a really good movie. I really enjoy RoboCop. Um you know, obviously, it is sci-fi. It's um, the angle with the, the man trapped in the machine uh, is very poignant, but it, it's also got the satirical edge that Verhoeven brings to his his work. Peter Weller does a great job in it as, as Robocop. Um, you know, a lot of fun action in it as well. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys... Well, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and uh, I, I my nostalgic memory of RoboCop was when I got to go and visit Tippett Studios and I walked into one office and there was a big life-size Ed 209 standing there. <laughs> that was pretty cool. But no, I mean, you know, I do like RoboCop. It was probably percolating somewhere underneath my top 10. It didn't make my top 10, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, I could see where it would, uh, would get up there. Now, now Larry was the one who had it on his list, so yeah, Larry, so you want to you want to champion RoboCop? I, you know, it, it was one of those films that had, for whatever reason, growing up in the '80s, uh, an impact on me, both science fiction and also against the whole corporate greed thing. And I know that wasn't a criteria for our our list, so I left that out of it. Um, 
you know, this it was one of the first films where you had like a cyborg that was a, a police officer in the modern world. So it wasn't set off in a too far distant future. Um, you know, you felt for the character there. There's a, you know, Mr. Emotional. Uh, there's a part in the film where he says, I don't remember my family, but I can feel them. And so good science fiction, I think, stirs the imagination and the heart. And that's why I picked RoboCop. Yeah, you know, say what you will about the sequels, but uh, I think the original was original for its time. Right. And uh, I thought it was, you know, like, like, like you said, it was like a good mixture of serious sci-fi and, and the humor. Mm-hmm. And uh, sort of sci-fi slash action slash crime type film. It, it was a Verhoeven production a film. <laughs> you know, that, that's that's a given with, yeah, the range of kind of dark humor, action, and uh, science fiction. So, um, tell you what, moving right along, unless there's anything else anyone wants to say about RoboCop. No, I think, right. I think we're good there. We may have to do a RoboCop episode at some point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I really, yeah, I, really get I, into I would it. enjoy that. Uh, number nine on our Planet Eight top ten list was a tie, a a twofer for number nine. <laughs> so that means it's a top eleven list. <laughs> be quiet! Be quiet! <laughs> Predator and Empire Strikes Back. Uh, these films received eight points, so that's why they're sandwiched between RoboCop and our number eight pick, which we'll uh, talk about after this. Uh, Predator was on my list, and Empire was on Karen's list. list. It was my number three on it my was list. Karen's number three, and Predator was my number three. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't look, have either on my list. You did not. <laughs> I had a really hard time kind of coin flipping between Empire Strikes Back and Star Wars. Like, which one? I didn't want to put both on the list. So I was like, well, which one needs to be on the list? And we'll, we'll get to what the other one later. But Empire, you know, it's an excellent film. I think it's one of my favorite. It's probably my favorite Star Wars movie. But again, I had to kind of coin flip. I did put both of them on my list. Bob, uh, only the Sith deal in absolute. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't give a Sith, so I did no, not put Empire. I, I just on. felt like I had to include both of them. The first one obviously kicks it all off, but Empire, the production levels, the quality, the storytelling it takes it a notch higher. It's it's a, a better all-around film, I think, than Star Wars, but Star Wars' impact can't be overlooked. So I, I had to include both of them on mine. Now, I love Predator to death. If, it, if I was making a list of just favorite movies predator would be on it i just didn't include it on this on my list because i felt that there were more sci-fi films that maybe had 
more of an impact. And I wavered a little bit on the monster aspect because I kind of felt like you could have put a monster in Predator that wasn't an outer space monster. Maybe it didn't quite make my personal criteria, but I love that movie. It's one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, it's it's probably another one that's kind of like bubbling under my top ten. But um, in fact, Lieutenant Debbie and I watched it last night along with Ensign Michael. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed a lot most of the Predator films, but it just, like I said, didn't didn't quite make it to the top ten for me. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. But Larry, your Predator is your pick, so let's hear what you have to say about Predator. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Again, it was one of those films that, to me, was kind of like a first. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess you could have put the creature from the Black Lagoon in there or Dracula or, you know, some other kind of monster. But this was a predator that was invisible to the human eye. There was, uh, you know, this sense of uh, shock and awe in, in, at that time, the modern world. And... um, you know, this elite team of, of soldiers is just getting picked off one by one by this super alien, you know, thing from another world. Um, and, and it wasn't, you know, I guess it was kind of isolated like uh, like some of the other uh, alien films um, that may or may not make it on our list. But it just had a resounding impact. There's not a time that... It's on TV that someone, I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone on this, would go ahead and watch it again mm-hmm. because it just has that kind of feel and impact. It still works today. You know, part of my criteria was, is this a film that some of my nieces and nephews watched and were like, wow, it's a great movie? You know, because I'll talk about some of the great movies and, and, you know, there are some films that I think are fantastic that they're like, oh, that's so old. I'm like... <laughs> Wait, that was in the 70s. That was the summer of 77. How could that be considered old? But, um, yeah, that that's why Predator made it on my list. Karen, uh, what about you started well, talking about? Well, the one thing about Predator, though, I got to say is oh, yes. that laugh. It's probably one of the creepiest laughs you'll ever hear in a movie. <laughs> that is true. Right up there with the Joker and whoever else, but it's like just... When, when Arnold drops the big weight on him, poof, yeah, and goes over to see if he's alive, and he's laying there about to, spoiler alert, about to just blow himself up. <laughs> he's got that well, laugh, and it's just really yeah. creeps. Because it just keeps going. All right. yeah. You're starting to persuade me, Larry. Actually, both of you. <laughs> I, I think one of the key things, though, is the film has such a great cast it's mm-hmm. a memorable cast it's an interesting cast so that you know when the action isn't happening or the predator's not on screen you're interested in you know schwarzenegger you're interested in um bill duke or whoever else is jesse is ventura jesse ventura yeah you know they're they're all interesting characters you know and you're kind of caught up in what's happening with them so there's a diverse cast too i mean mm-hmm. you know uh, I don't but think, hey, let's let's not. I don't think there's a movie around though that had more testosterone and steroids <laughs> in it. Yeah, let, let's not spend too much time on this because spoiler alert: we're going to be doing a Planet Eight podcast on 
uh, Predator and some of the the films after it. So um, with Empire Strikes Back, Karen, what what made you think? Well, no, I mean, I had it at number three. I mean, I had Star Wars at number two. But again, it was just the fact that um, it was it was just a. you know the quality level was so much better. I can't. I can't separate the two. They're both great films. They're both uh, have inspired so much. If you think about everything that's come after, um, but to me, it's it's not an either or of you know is it Star Wars or is it Empire. Uh, they both have inspired so much that's come after, right? And. I, I- I will say Star Wars, I was a young lad, and it was my crush. Empire came out, and I fell in love. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, I just uh, I just had to put both on the list. Well, they're the perfect sort of yin-yang. I mean, mm-hmm. Star Wars is light and hope, no pun intended, and mm-hmm. Empire is dark and, you know, takes loose down that back. path, and <laughs> it's... Uh, more serious, not as much joking around as in Star Wars. But I just think Star Wars had, you know, we'll get into this later, obviously, since it's higher on the list, but um, I just think Star Wars, it kicked it off, it had the impact, there was nothing like it before, and uh, yeah, I just, if I had to pick between the two, and I only wanted to put one on the list, I, I had to go with Star Wars, but but Empire, I you know, like I say, it's my favorite Star Wars. So you know, so, so which one do I like better? I like Empire better. Which one do I think has the most influence or whatever? It would be Star Wars. Yeah, the, those of you listening at home, you know that Star Wars made it on the list. You just don't know where on the list. <laughs> I so. mean, part of my part of my criteria was yeah, it was the impact slash influence, but also part of it was artistic merit. You know, and of those two, I think. Empire has a little more, well, they had more money to throw at it. So it was artistic (laughs) merit, you know, goes up with with Empire, too. So budget was a consideration. (laughs) No, not necessarily. And I didn't look at box office on anything. I didn't care how much money anything made. It was was more about, you know, were they able to achieve something artistically, technically, whatever. and, and I think that feeds into influence, right? If you do something right, you're going to influence other people. Um, it, it had a cleaner look to it than Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But I will say something like Predator. Uh, we were at Monsterpalooza, and, and they gave a, a presentation about how – I remember how that. Right. It would just blow up or, you know, melt because it wasn't meant to survive in a jungle. Yet it still looks good on film. So sometimes yeah. – yeah. You know the production value; it it, it well, wavers, but um, there's something to serendipity too. Right. You never, yeah. Yeah. Should we move on to number I, eight? I I yes. believe we should, and our dear chief engineer um, will give us number eight. And coincidentally, I think I was the only one that had this on my list. That's right. <laughs> but how can you not consider the classic? 1950s War of the Worlds. I mean, War of the Worlds was just, for its time, it was an amazing science fiction film. And I think it still holds up today. And, you know, we talked about War of the Worlds in past episodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the the effects, the acting, Gene Barry and, uh, and the mm-hmm. cast, 
all around. It was a very solid. If you're going to pick a, a science fiction film from the 50s, then that would be one of the top ones right there, War of the Worlds. It was also one of the first in color as well. So uh, quite an impact back in the day. But neither of you had it on your list. Was it even bubbling under the top ten or just not even considered? It, it was on mine. And, and you know, I, I made some very hard cuts. And I'll, I'll share number 11 and number 12 uh, once once we finish off the list. But, um, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was tough. I, I, I love that movie. Bob convinced me to get the Criterion uh, version of the film. And it's just a beautiful print. The the spaceships, the the overall historical um, value of the film to, to genre and to cinema. Uh, all those considerations. But hard, hard cuts had to be made. I mean, you know, if, if, if the... Analogy is uh, cutting a digit from your hands. That was the tip of my pinky. So it, it, <laughs> it meant something to me. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, it, it's probably in the top 20, but it's not it didn't dip down into my top 10. And it's probably because I don't know, I think for me, maybe the story just wasn't as compelling as some of the other films to me. Um, like if I was I went with uh, some different 50s material in my top 10 which mm-hmm. we can talk about later um i'm actually surprised uh, that we we all did pick a few 50s films i think um because you see a lot of people like when you see people put lists together you don't see a lot of 1950s or 60s material anymore right. uh, on top 10 lists so I, I think it is interesting that you know we did wind up selecting some films from the 50s but yeah, it, I mean, I think it's a great film. I, when we reviewed it recently, I really enjoyed watching it again. It just didn't quite float down to the top 10 for me. Yeah, I mentioned I was talking before the podcast, the fact that when I put this list together, I looked up some top 10 lists and top 50 lists and things on online just to see maybe there's something I'm not thinking of or something I didn't consider. And a lot of them... Yeah, they're they're more contemporary, but you look at it like, wow, you know, how can you put District Nine or Guardians of the Galaxy in like the top ten sci-fi films of all time? Well, see, yeah. I'm not sure if they're looking at box office or if they're looking. At, I I don't know what their criteria was, but yeah, I there was a number of films that I was just like, man, no. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, again, it's just like, God, you know. How? How can you have well, that? Look, to, to be honest with you, I could have done a top 10 1950s uh, sci-fi mm-hmm. uh, list easily. I could have done a 10 for the 60s. Well, I could have done a decades thing. When I when I was doing a Bronze Age Babies blog with my friend Doug, one of the features I did, uh, oh, this was probably 10 years ago, was I did top sci-fi movies by decade. And I did do mm-hmm. like a 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s kind of thing and and that's kind of fun because then you don't really have to discriminate as much um, yeah. and you can take the movies for the the time they were in you know mm-hmm. um, I think also just thinking about some of these lists you see with films on them you know for top sci-fi of all times and they're putting movies that are like five or 
so years old or ten, even right, 10 years right. old. Part of the problem for me is that when I'm using a criteria like influence, they need to be around a while to be able to tell how influential they are. You know, it's like if, if they've only been around a few years, how much can they really have influenced other films, filmmakers, people who are coming up? I mean, you know, some of these 50s films, you know that they influenced like a Spielberg, a George Lucas. Well, yeah, you know, that's one of the things. It's like, did right. it affect a generation or two? Right. Right. And influence wise. Right. Well, one problem, and this is a general problem with Hollywood today anyway, is there's not a lot of original ideas. Mm-hmm. We're getting a lot of remakes. We're getting a lot of sequels. We're getting a lot of, uh, you know, comic book movies and things. But there's not a lot of, like, original hard sci-fi films out right yeah. now. I mean, there. I feel like, and we can talk about this maybe at you know, after we've gone through the list, I tried to think of some more recent sci-fi films that I felt were really good, but, uh, yeah, there's just been so many remakes and, and so many derivative kind of films that, um, it is hard to, to come up with a really good list. I think, I mean, you can look at some films, you know, recent films and say they're good or I really enjoyed them, but you know, are they the best? Right. Give it, let's give it the best. 20 years and see if, you know, somebody really thinks that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy belongs on a <laughs> best sci-fi list. Right. Yeah, I don't know about that. Well, when we do our uh, 23rd anniversary show. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Larry, are you guys there? Get off my lawn. <laughs> All, All right. right, so uh, let, let's move on with the list. I think Karen's got number seven. Oh, boy. And boy, Do does I she ever. have number seven. All right, number seven. And I can't believe this is at number seven. And I was the only one who picked this. Is the epic 2001 A Space Odyssey by Stanley Kubrick. So I selected this as my number one. Because I could not think of a sci-fi movie that has been more influential than 2001. So it got 10 points. That's probably the only reason it's on the list. If I, well, maybe if I had picked it at number two or three, it might have tied. But dudes, I know you guys don't enjoy it, but if we're doing an honest top 10 about influential, how can you not select 2001, even at number 10, if you don't like it? Come on. Well, I never said I didn't like it. Yeah. And we did a whole episode on it, but I... There's no Star Wars with no 2001. Well, yeah. I mean, if you want to just strictly influential, yes, it should be up there. But if you're looking at other criteria as well, I mean, I just, 2001 doesn't really move me, if that makes sense. It's a good movie. It's a classic film. But I don't know if it really has enough of an impact on me to make the top 10. It's probably in the top 20 for me, but not necessarily in top 10. I'm just thinking with without the effects work in that movie, without the pioneering 
work that was created. I mean, you can you could ask Lucas. It's it's not he's not going to make Star Wars. He's not going to be able to do a lot of the things that he did to make Star Wars. I I don't know. I just feel like they're and also it's you've got hard science fiction in it with all the you know going to the moon and doing all that stuff and they they've got gravity you know there's a lack of gravity in the ships so they got to do all this other stuff with the centrifuges and stuff so it's all hard science fiction and then you got all the metaphysical stuff right with the monoliths so it it spans sort of the whole you know range of sci-fi well i'll say it is on my top hundred Larry, I'm going to track you down. <laughs> and and I'll give you this, Walker. I, I don't know that Star Wars, Lucas wouldn't have made Star Wars had he not seen 2001. Had he not seen 2001, he probably wouldn't have made THX 1138. I'll give you that. Now, Star Wars um, was kind of more influenced um, by Flash Gordon in the serials of the day. I mean, yeah, the but I'm saying he would not have like the technical capability. He would not have the technical capability. I mean, you can, I don't know. I guess I've just read a few books on it, but I'm going to say it's <laughs> like, it's, it's the predecessor to well, everything we'll, that came after. We'll, so, we'll have to have a, a 2001 part two podcast to talk about the virtues. No, I mean, I'll just make my own rant and I'll put it out on YouTube and that I'll be satisfied. Well, look, w- welcome to the Batman versus Superman universe. Oh, I, I, I feel your pain. <laughs> well, we'll just see. I'm just going to ask the listeners if you have any dog in this fight. If you think 2001 should be on the list, maybe higher than number seven, please please send in some email, not email, comments, whatever. Because I'm, I'm sure Bob is going to make the same request for War of the Worlds. Uh, both of them are very influential uh, films. Uh, yeah, and you know maybe they should have been higher on the list, but not on Planet Eight. Not on this place. <laughs> All right, All right well, let's move on. What what did we consider a better movie than 2001? What came in at six? Number six. Uh, one of my favorites, actually. And uh, I'll tell you guys, I was going to wait till the list was over, but it was a toss-up between Forbidden Planet and War of the Worlds for me. And Forbidden Planet won out um, because of Robbie the Robot. No, just kidding. Because <laughs> <laughs> it had a cool robot. It, 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 look, Robbie is, if not the coolest, one of the coolest robots. And uh, we did do a robot episode early on. Oh, yeah. In our in our podcast. Maybe that we need to do another one. Revisit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do another one, and it might be it might be cool to bring in some guests. You know, we've had a lot of listeners make comments on our YouTube channel, uh, out on the uh, web page, the Planet Eight web page, with some ideas. So, who knows? Uh, we'll we'll take it up to Planet Eight Command, and maybe we'll have a a, a listener come on as a guest. But anyway, uh, Forbidden Planet. Um, I was you and Bob had that on your list. Look, you, you had Leslie Nielsen and and you had um, Richard. No, not Richard Dean Anderson. Oscar Goldman from the Bionic Man. Uh, I can't think of the actor's name, but anyway, 
the the whole concept of of you know Morbius and and the id monster and that you know um, it was early sci-fi but there was a, a, a kind of a horror aspect to it with that mm-hmm. monster I mean the sound and the I believe it was Disney that did the animation for the thing because they didn't have CGI back then yeah I mean I actually had Forbidden Planet number one on my list wow so you really like yes you did i did and you know i think it definitely had influence i mean if you look at it there's influence in star trek right you know there's influence in other films robbie was just an amazing creation back then right you know and it was rob kinoshita who who designed and built robbie as well as the lost in space robot and you know robbie was almost like an actor in and of himself. He even came back to uh, appear in other movies and TV shows. Uh-huh. And uh, I just thought, you know, again, with the, with the monsters from the id and, you know, the going to Altair 4 and, yeah. the, uh, and everything, I thought it was just an excellent all-around sci-fi movie, you know, with sci-fi elements throughout. And I believe, you know, yeah, so you can argue that there are other movies that are more influential, but I think if you just take it in general, between influence, effects, story, acting, it was all top-notch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and the soundtrack? Right. I was which is all just that... sort of theremin and sound, and it's not your typical orchestral soundtrack right there were a lot of firsts in that movie and, and like you said Bob with not just the robot but the spaceship and you know th- that would carry over to other films and TV shows so um, kudos to to those who were involved with uh, Forbidden Planet um, uh, let uh, let's go to a number five on our list number five and, number five uh, number five Chief Bob now, this is one that all three of us agreed on. We all yeah. three of us had this on our list. I think this is the first one so yes. far that all three of us had on our list. Yep. Yes, it is. And uh, I had it at number eight. Larry had it at, uh, where was Larry here? You had it at uh, number seven. Seven. And Karen had it at uh, number eight. And that, yep. well. No, six. No, she had it at six. But yeah, yep. John Carpenter's oh, sorry, the thing. Yeah. So John Carpenter's the thing. Got enough points to come in at number five. And, and I you think know, we've done a podcast on this uh, film as did well. The thing, yes. And I think yeah. as far as eighties sci-fi, that's got to be like right up there at the top, or one of the top. And of it's course, a fantastic movie. And of course, you know the original thing from another world kind of kicked a lot of things off back in the 50s but John Carpenter's the thing just the advance in practical effects and just excellent acting by Kurt Russell and the rest of the crew and just the the shock factor I watched it recently and just when they're doing the test <laughs> by putting the uh, electric probe into the petri dish of each person's blood and then the one just pops up like that's it still i jumped it, to this day I, you know it's 
it still had that kind of impact. It's hard to beat those practical effects. I, I love those practical effects. And um, again, we have a really strong cast. So you, you become involved with the cast and they're not necessarily really a likable group of people. No. You know, they're kind of all misfits and weirdos mm-hmm. um, and not in a good way, <laughs> like not like a friendly, you know, not in a planet way. eight way. Yeah. Uh, but they're interesting and they they're engaging and and uh, there's just it's so suspenseful. The movie is, you know, it draws you in, um, you know, further and further. And, and that sense of paranoia is very um palpable and i i also on my list i also had the other thing i i really struggled with that but i really love the 1950s thing from another world but i like the john carpenter version just a little better because i feel like uh i don't know maybe i like the more uh downbeat ending (laughs) of john carpenter's version also the you know the 50s one suffers because of the the uh, the alien looking so human and and not really being very terrifying. You know, I I debated hard on whether or not to put the original on my list. I didn't want to go too fifties heavy, so I kind of left that off. But uh, you know, it's another one that's you know definitely in the top twenty. Oh, absolutely. But John yeah. Carpenter's the thing. Yeah. I just you know solid solid top ten. Yeah, it's it's got great acting. The original has that, you know, great story, great acting. I think it, again, it suffers with James Arness in the monster suit, um, but uh, it's it's always a, a great watch. You know, if it's on, I'm, I'll sit down and watch it for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I own it. You know. Yeah, me too. But yeah, I agree with you. Even even having seen it as many times as I have and owning it, if it's on TV. Most certainly, I'll watch that. And I, I do love the ending. It's just like, are we? Aren't we? I guess we'll never know. And it, to me, it was one of the best Kurt Russell roles mm-hmm. ever. I, I mean, I, I love Kurt Russell. I think he's a good actor. But this was just, oh, McCready. Yeah, great. No, it, was, it was great all the way around. Hey, we could do a whole nother episode on uh, John Carpenter's thing, but that is not what this episode. Casey Kasem is telling me we still got to go for the rest of the list. So number four on the Planet 8 Top 10 Sci-Fi list. Ah. Darren. Number four reminds us that in space, no one can hear you scream. Yes. The original Alien. And is this? Oh, no. I was going to say this is another one we all agreed on, but it's not in Larry's top 10. It's not. Larry did not have Alien in his top 10. Uh, I had it at my number five, and Bob, you had it at your number three. Number three, three, yes. So. It was number 11 on my list, unfortunately. uh, So uh, I went back and forth with. uh, yeah, with with replacing uh, something on my list that I'll share at the end. Uh, I was going to say just definitely one of the iconic 
scary sci-fi uh, movie. There, there have been a, a number of them, but this one really, I pooped my pants when I saw this. One. <laughs> Maybe that's why I wasn't I in your top ten. I used on my top ten list, but <laughs> well, it's it's an iconic alien design. I mean that that creature has been with us now for decades, and you know they're still making movies and cashing in on it. I don't. I don't think much of the movies they're making now with it, but but that first movie certainly, and of course, Aliens. Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought about including Aliens, but you know, the real impact was with the first film. Uh, definitely. And yeah. uh, I, I still I'll, I'll sit and watch it. It's just again, it's it's sort of like John Carpenter's The Thing, the suspense of the film, and these two films, you know, definitely have that horror edge to them, uh, but they are still enough distinctly sci-fi for me to include on the list you know i mean aliens is, i mean alien is taking place in space on a spaceship we've got enough other you know qualities to it you know going to an alien planet there's an android um it is an alien it's not a supernatural creature um so it, it made the list for me. I, I know a lot of people argue that it's a haunted house film in space, but <laughs> I feel like it's I feel like it's sci-fi enough for me. No, I mean I had it in number three. And again, you know, this is kind of like one of those things where okay, do I make my top ten a top fifteen by doing things like number three was aliens slash aliens, you know, <laughs> things like that, or you know, Star Wars slash Empire. But uh, no, I. I loved Alien, big impact when I first saw it in the theater. Yes, I saw it in the theater when it came out. <laughs> and uh, it was just the designs by H.R. Geiger. It's almost like you're on the edge of your seat the entire movie. Oh, yeah. It just is, it does not let up. And, you know, there's, there's the whole thing about, you know, where's the alien? When's it going to pop out? You know, is it who's infected, who's not, what's up with Ash, you know. So it's kind of like an excellent, you know, seat of your pants movie that just had such an impact that I had to put it up on the list. And, uh, you know, I would consider it, I would definitely consider it hard sci-fi rather than a, quote, monster on the loose film. Yeah. Well, and think about how many movies, knockoff movies, were made after that came out. You had all kinds of, I don't know, there creature. was like extra and creature, yeah, yeah, all kinds of stuff. So the influence is there. Farrah Fawcett and Kirk Douglas in Saturn Three. I mean, it was a robot, not an alien, but you could tell it was a ripoff. I mean, a disturbing ripoff at that. If you have never seen Saturn Three, don't yeah, bother. Yeah, I don't think Saturn Three made it on any of our lists. <laughs> <laughs> What a shocker. <laughs> like Star Crash. Yeah. Still a Star Crash. Okay. Uh, number three. Number three is me. Getting close. Uh, 2010. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this would be the classic 1950s film. Day the Earth Stood Still. That's right. Klaatu Barada Nikto. Um, 
you know, I rewatched this movie recently and it's one of those movies that really just the message for today, the the whole concept of, of us being this little planet in the grand cosmos um, and how full of ourselves we are. Um, it's just it's great. I love this movie. Um, didn't care for the remake. Oh. Um yeah, that you know. Anyway, we won't even waste time on that. Uh, Karen and, and Bob, and anything to say about our third pick, Day the Earth well, Stood Still? Well, I mean, you could, you could go back, all the way back, to uh, Things to Come or Metropolis, but really, I think Day the Earth Stood Still really kicked it all off. Yeah, it came out just just after Thing from Another World, but I think it, uh, as far as alien invasion movies. Uh, I think it definitely kicked it off, and it had a different message. It wasn't like Klaatu was just coming down to take over the Earth. He had a message for us that you guys are you know, just starting to get into space, and we need to keep you in check. And he was actually coming down to check us out, and what did we do? We start shooting at him and, uh-huh. and all that. So it had definitely – it was the first one with a message – and the message to us being that, you know, if you're going to be part of the of the universe, you got to be mature enough to actually interact with whatever's out there. That's right. Yeah, it's um, it's a classic and it, it clearly influenced a, a lot of the uh, creators, film creators who came afterwards. Um, I watched it this last week because I, I just wanted that little kick in the, the brain cells to, you know, go back and, and think about it. And, uh, you know, you look at the saucer landing. Um, it's the kind of thing that you can see like a lot of probably a lot of the UFO abductees have like subliminally picked it up <laughs> in their head. Um, you know, that super, super smooth disc the seamless disc and the the opening, you know, Gort. Gort is another classic robot, right? I mean, he didn't get around Hollywood as much as Robbie, but that imagery of of the visor opening up and the Mm. and he blasting everything. Um, You know, Klaatu coming out in the space suit and everything. I mean, it's just classic imagery. It's obviously highly influential. Plus the score with the theremin, the Bernard Herrmann score, another fantastic score by Bernard Herrmann. Absolutely. Um, I had to to include it. I actually struggled a lot with like this one and then like Forbidden Planet, the thing from another world. I was kind of juggling all of those. Um, I mean, we all put it on our list. We all had it at different, different spots. But uh, yeah, it was clearly a highly influential film. Yeah, you, you mentioned the saucer. On one of my visits to Bob Burns' place, to Bob's garage, uh, he has a saucer there. Huh? How big is it? It's big. It's probably a good, you know, six foot across. <laughs> wow. And uh, yeah, it has some extra parts stuck to the bottom of it because I think they had reused it for either a voice to the bottom of the sea episode or some episode on TV. And it's like they had modified it a bit, but it was the original saucer and uh, very, very impressive. Nice. 
Okay, my friends, that will take us to our number two pick in the Planet 8 Top 10. Number two goes to you, Chief Engineer Bob. Now, I think number two, the thing about number two, <laughs> and it's not, it's not one of the Thing movies, I believe we all had it on our list. Yes. Yeah, we all had it fairly high on our list. Well, I had it like number six, but... Yours, yeah, you had it at six. Yeah, well, Larry had... Uh, number, number two. Four. Oh, no, number two, and Karen had number four. Mm-hmm. Four, yeah. But if anyone has listened to us over the last three years, you know that it's actually one of our favorite science fiction movies. That's right. Indeed. And that would be Planet of the Apes. 1968. And, uh, no, I think, yeah, I think Planet of the Apes just... Uh, excellent film. The makeup effects were definitely revolutionary for the time. Just you know, you could have you could have had people just in dime store gorilla suits running around, <laughs> or you could have like actual trained apes running around. You can't you can't have CG back in the day, but the uh, the makeup effects on Planet of the Apes. I think even, you know still hold up today, even against you know the the CG versions that you have uh, recently. And uh, again, a, a message film, and just that twist ending, mm-hmm. the twist Rod Serling, Serling ending, yeah, is so classic. I mean, you see that film, you'll see movies and you'll just like kind of forget them. But when you see Planet of the Apes and you see that ending. It stays with you well, for a lifetime. Like that, you that will never Mad forget Man, that. Mad episode, right? I Where he takes that. the kid to see Planet Bobby, of the Apes. Bobby. <laughs> or even on The Simpsons, they've they've parodied that a few times. Yeah. Uh, 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 Dan Draper's son, you watch the end of the movie, and then he's just like, mouth open. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> But that's how we all were, right? We were all like, you mean it was Earth? Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's the thing, because it is perfectly played, because Charlton Heston and Nova, they're just like on horseback. They're riding off. You know, you think, oh, there there they go, riding off into the sunset. But no, they come around the corner of that beach, and there's the Statue of Liberty. Spoiler alert. Talk about downer uh, ending. Uh, you know, it's just really uh, such an impact. And, and I'll tell you, like you go to conventions and you see these folks in cosplay. Um, Don Bishop, he, he dresses up as, as one of the in that makeup, even up close by a cosplayer looks amazing mm-hmm. in person. I mean, for all we know, Bob Burns could have brought his ape suit down there and, and you know, tried to get, be part of the production. We could have saw that. But no, we got this refined, and nothing against Bob Burns and what was the ape's name, Coco or? Uh, no, Coco's the sign. <laughs> <laughs> You're mixing up your real life apes. With the... <laughs> but, no, but anyway. Bob, Bob had a cool suit. He used yeah. to be on the real Ghostbusters. He used, yeah. yeah. But see, that's okay, the thing. That's the thing, though. It's like up until that point, that's how they portrayed apes and gorillas on right. TV and in yeah. movies is these guys in, in the ape suits. Right. Um, look, that film influenced Rick Baker. It influenced, you know, countless other 
filmmakers, special effects folks. Um, it just it 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 has a historical impact that goes far beyond the year that it was released. So it made it to our number two list. As we uh, any final poda points or comments we'd like to make? I uh, I mean I, I the original poda obviously a classic. Yeah. But you, know, you also think about all the stuff it spawned. It spawned four more movies, a TV show, a cartoon, and then yep. the new movies, which honestly, the new movies are not bad. I don't care for the – I like the, the makeup and the, the outfits, but I will watch the new movies sometimes. You yeah, know, I, yeah, I, I don't enjoy think the they're, new films. You know, I think they're, they're – I kind of like the angle they took on things uh, to explain the apes intelligence but you know i have the nostalgia for the, the now, old films. now we have done we did do a planet of the apes episode oh, maybe yeah, in the yeah. show maybe in the show notes karen can post some links to you know like we did yeah. war of the worlds we did 2001 we did mm-hmm. the thing so maybe we can uh yeah. have those so, pe- so people can our listeners can look back and get more of our comments on the films because we're kind of going through them kind of fast right now we have covered pretty much most of these movies. Pretty much most of them, yes, we have one covered. Way or another. And that brings us to our number one list on the Planet Eight podcast. God, that sounds more <laughs> like Regis Philbin. Than- <laughs> is, it, is it really a surprise to anyone? Number one. And number one should be no surprise to anybody. Our number one pick. from 1977. Yay! Now, that, that was one that was on all our lists. Although, I mean, Karen had it at number two. Larry had it at number one, predicted. Yep. I had it at uh, number five. Number five. Five, but it, yep. But it was so enough to get enough points to push it to number points. one. It could have been a possible 30 points. Came in at 25. Very respectable just because i dropped it down on the list a bit but uh yeah so what can we say about star wars it hasn't been said it's the film that launched a thousand careers dreams and well i think the thing about star wars too is it didn't it didn't just have an influence on science fiction films it had an influence on all of hollywood because if you think about it, you know, yes, Jaws was a summer blockbuster, but Star Wars was the summer blockbuster of his time. Oh, yes. And without Star Wars, you wouldn't have all the merchandising and all the sequels and all, you know, just it la- launched an empire. No, no pun intended. Yeah. I mean, look, you could get a coffee mug you could get an action figure uh underoos you know uh adult diapers maybe i don't know i mean (laughs) 
But they marketed this film, and it was the marketing from the first film that helped Lucas finance, you know, the ranch and Empire and and all that stuff. But but cinematically, you know, the influence, you know, a, a young lad, you know, starting his life, trying to figure out his way in the galaxy, coming across this mentor wizard, you know, this this magical unknown force that exists i mean it was man just go ahead no it's it's true it's it's like it's it's a grand adventure but sort of like what you were describing was one of the reasons i i almost thought i've always struggled with star wars as science fiction in a sense because to me it's almost like it's space opera it's almost fantasy right they've taken a lot of the tropes of fantasy and put them in a science fiction setting. Because like you're saying, there's the wizard who teaches the young boy the ways of the, you know, the magical order, right? Because basically the Jedi are sort of like mages. You know, they're knights, but they have magic powers. And so much of Star Wars is very fantasy-like. It's They've taken a lot of the tropes of, like, King Arthur and put them in sort of a... Uh, sci-fi setting but you know it's a it's a version of it's a, a subgenre of sci-fi i guess so it's you know that's how i justify putting it in but it's number one i tell you it's number one yeah. <laughs> i don't care if what you call it is sci-fi if i'm gonna put it on the list so uh, yes i i know there are many 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 books that have been written about star wars and its place and in mythology and cinema and and whatever. Look, it has robots and Wookiees. It was science fiction to me, pure science fiction. Wizard Jedi, mother, father, Aunt Beru, Blue well, Milk. I, I, hey. All that really matters is I don't know how many thousands or more of us, the feeling we had when we sat in that theater and that Star Destroyer came overhead. And I will never forget that feeling. It was amazing. I never had an experience like that. And you knew right then, like, oh, my God, this is something totally different than anything I have ever experienced. Well, for me, it was like I was at a Star Trek convention. And Bob Wilkins from Creature Features here in the Bay Area, yeah. he was the host of the, of the Star Trek convention. And he showed the trailer from wow. Star Wars. Here's a new movie that you're really going to enjoy. And he shows the Star Wars trailer, and everybody was like, what the heck is that? You know, it was just like so different than anything to that yeah. point. I don't think it had the Star Destroyer, but it had like a lot of the space battle scenes and things. Mm-hmm. You know, Luke swinging over the chasm with yep. Leia and all that. And it was just mind-boggling just seeing the trailer for the film. Yeah. I, I remember. Can just imagine. Oh, go ahead, Karen. Oh, no, go ahead, Larry. Uh, little uh, Bobby and little yeah. Oh my God! It's like Lord of the Rings, but in space. <laughs> well, let me correct you there, because a, I was not little Bobby at the time. I was oh, like seventeen years I'm old, man. <laughs> and B, you, I was never into Lord of the Rings, so. <laughs> but I, I remember uh, Starlog coming out. And they had all these, you know, they didn't have a lot of pictures, but they had some pictures in it. 
And I was like, oh my God, this thing is going to be great. And I was trying to convince people around me and they're like, what are you, what are you talking about? Star Wars? What, who cares? And then I got the novelization and I was, I didn't read it though. I just looked at the pictures and I was going, look, look. And we didn't get it in my town until July 6th. Wow. We had to wait. So then it premiered and they, I remember on the Regis and Kathy show or whatever they were showing like the premiere and they, they had Mark Hamill and they had Carrie Fisher on the show and all this other stuff. And I was like, we got to drive. We should go to Santa Barbara. Somebody drive. I was trying to convince my brother and he's like, Oh, I, just wait till it gets here. And what are you in some backwoods community? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like Luke. I totally related to Luke. I wanted to get the, out of that place. So well, you, know, you mentioned Starlog, but there were two magazines that uh, at the time, and I still have them in the collection that uh, really showed some excellent behind the scenes and some photos and things. That would be Cinefix and American Cinematographer. American Cinematographer magazine had like a whole issue dedicated to Star Wars. And uh, that was just like amazing reading for me at the time. You know, we haven't done like any, any, uh, episodes on star wars empire we did the the new movie one or two of the new movies i think when they came out so we might have to we might we, the lord knows we have I, I still have my program my my yaya took me on the bus because i couldn't go see the movie by myself and got the program at the box office and the pages in, inside are pink and they just have photos of like yeah, I have you know, the program. Vader. I also have one of the original one sheets. Yeah, and you know, I, of course, I have. Uh... Oh, yes. <laughs> I have my lightsaber in the other room. There you go. So yes, so that that's our our list, right? That's that our top is our ten. List. Do you do you want to recap from one to ten? Uh, sure. Uh, so the Planet 8 final list of top 10 greatest sci-fi movies. Number one, we had Star Wars. Number two was uh, Planet of the Apes. Number three was Day the Earth Stood Still. Number four was Alien. Number five was John Carpenter's The Thing. Number six was Forbidden Planet. Number seven was 2001. Number eight was War of the Worlds. Number nine was Predator and Empire Strikes Back. That was a tie. And number 10 was Robocop. I'll say all of these were the original version of the film except for uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. That was uh, kind of sort of the remake. That but, is true. Uh, so what, what were kind of some of the films you guys had on your list that didn't make the tally? Karen? Well, I had The Matrix on my list at number seven. And uh, I know neither of you had The Matrix, but I don't know. I I thought it was highly influential. I know I had mentioned it, uh, or maybe when we shared our lists, and uh, I think Larry had said maybe that he thought of it as an action movie. And I I can see that, but I felt like it had enough sci-fi concepts in it for me, I thought of it, especially the first one, as uh, as a sci-fi film. 
rather than an action film. I, I feel like the later ones, which I'm not, I really don't care for, mm-hmm. um, are much more action films. But I really like The Matrix. I feel like it um, had a lot of influence. It's a very cyberpunk kind of film, which I, I thought would be a nice representative on the list. Um, so, yeah, that was that was one of the ones I, I had that stood out. And Chief. Well, speaking of cyberpunk, I did have Blade Runner on the list. Arguably, that launched the whole cyberpunk type genre. Some anime fans would say that Akira actually did, but, uh, mm. you know, you can argue either one way or the other, but Blade Runner, Harrison Ford is a great uh, sci-fi sort of detective type film. And I also... At number 10 on my list, and I really, I could actually, maybe I could put 2001 there to make Karen happy, but I was kind of, I was kind of going back and forth on number 10, and I actually picked Close Encounters of the Third Kind, because that had a huge impact when it came out, and I know I watched it maybe about a year or so ago when I got it on Blu-ray, and just doesn't quite hold up i don't think yeah i watched it a couple years ago and it it, uh yeah i wasn't as into it i thought oh yeah i want to see this again and it just yeah it didn't really do it for me i mean the visuals are are interesting but the story just didn't pull me along yeah i think i think for me when i first saw it in the theaters i saw it at the coronet theater in san francisco the coronet had this huge curved screen and you sit in their loge seats. You pay like an extra dollar to sit in the loge seats. And uh, when that UFO comes over the mountain, we were all just like, you know, it was like an old Max L commercial. Oh, you know, <laughs> amazed by this thing. And again, you know, it's, you've seen better effects since then. But I think, you know, not having been exposed to those types of effects... It had a much bigger impact on me then than uh, than it did when I watched it again. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe I'll drop that down a few pegs and I'll put two thousand and one at number ten. <laughs> the now, list is done, Bob. Now it's that done. would get that would give it eleven points and tie it with Forbidden Planet at number six. Ah, so there it's you go. Done. There there was discussion once we uh, submitted the list. Uh, we did it all at once, so there was no one knew what we picked. And uh, Bob had made a comment, "Hey, we want to tweak the list." <laughs> it's like, no, this is an honest Keep list. Keep it pure. It Keep is it what pure. it is. Um, I, I went back and forth on this, um, but I love this movie so much, and I think. You know, there have been many, many remakes of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and I love the one in the 50s. But like Bob, you know, I had several movies from the 50s. I didn't want to have like an overabundance. And then as I look at this, I had more movies in the 80s. So it was just very hard. But that that film to me, it didn't have robots. It didn't have Wookiees. It it, it had us and um, and these pods and uh it's uh, maybe it's more an action film than a than a science fiction film, but 
Now, you're talking about the 78. Yeah, you had the 78. It's, yeah, I had, no, I had the 50s invasion of the body snatchers at number seven. Yeah. Um, we had watched it, Jasmine and I had watched it, and, and she got a kick that the uh, star from the 50s was still running, trying to convince <laughs> people in the 70s. Yeah, it had been running for 20-some years. Yeah. <laughs> Wound up in San Francisco. Um, I had Blade Runner on my list at number eight. But see, now you were the only person between the three of us to pick a Star Trek film. I did. I did. And I went back and forth on which one. I was going to put down the motion picture, but I went with Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. I think Wrath of Khan had a bigger impact on fandom, on cinema, than, um, than the motion picture. Although I go back and forth because the motion picture did did a lot of good, I think, as well. But yeah, I, I did put a Star Trek uh, Star Trek Two on my list, and nobody else did. So, the hell with y'all. No, it's I funny because Wrath of Khan. See, for me, I know you guys love Star Trek the motion picture, but I always looked at Star Trek the motion picture as it was good to get the band back together again. Mm-hmm. But then it was Wrath of Khan that actually, okay, this to me is Star Trek and this is launching the flavor of the films from then on. I thought, you know, motion picture right. was a little too, took itself a little too seriously. But if you're going to pick a Star Trek science fiction film, that you know, the most science fiction film of all the Star Trek films would probably be the motion picture. Motion picture, yeah, right? I I put I was able to get my list out to about fifteen, and I had Star Trek the Motion Picture at fourteen, kind of for that reason because it's, it's. I had it at fourteen more, as well. <laughs> it's it's more it's a more science fiction to me, Rathacon, and I you know I enjoy watching it. I watch it all the time. Um, it's more action focused, whereas the Motion Picture has more of that you know, questioning, big, big question kind of focus, like a lot of the episodes, you know, had some kind of moral principle behind them. And that's, that's where I think the motion picture is at. So I, yeah, I had it around number 14 on my list. Um, to get back to Blade Runner, though, I, I know that's probably another controversial thing for a lot of people. I had it at number 12. And I'm, I'm just going to say that I do think that it's influential. I, I think it artistically, the Sid Mead designs um, are really cool. Uh, my problem with the film is I think it's the pacing is poor. I don't feel there's any chemistry between Ford and um, oh, I'm blanking on the actress's name. Uh the actress who's the replicant that yeah, he doesn't love. Yeah, I can't Sorry. either. And, and I don't think it's a great performance by Harrison Ford, to be honest. I really don't. I, th- I feel like Rutger Hauer makes that movie, to be honest, as, as Roy Batty. But I, I don't know. And there's been so many freaking versions of it now. Which version do you want to watch? You know, they've chopped it so many different ways. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, I mean, I, I do think it's influential, but I, I kind of feel like it's artistically it's 
not quite there for me. It's not a movie I sit down to watch for enjoyment. Let me uh, just say her name was Sean Young. Sean Young, thank you. Um, so yeah, it just didn't quite bubble into the ten. A lot me. of the same critiques uh, that you mentioned I had for two thousand one. Well, that's fair. Harrison Ford. No, just kidding. <laughs> now I had Harrison Ford obscure... was terrible in two thousand and one. <laughs> <laughs> I had a I had an obscure film in in my tenth position. You did. Uh, but I feel it's a great science fiction movie, Quatermass in the Pit, also known as uh, Twenty Million Years to Earth. Five million years, right? Five million years. Sorry. Um, this is a British production. Hammer film, uh, and it has some qualities, I guess, in in common with 2001 about aliens visiting us in our prehistory. Um, but uh, yeah, I I really love that movie, and I think it has some influence. So I kind of fudged this one a little bit, but I knew it would only get one point, so <laughs> I figured it wouldn't really go anywhere. <laughs> Um, but, uh, if you haven't seen it or you haven't seen it in a long time, I would, I would give it a look because it's a really outstanding science fiction film. Um, is, it, great... is it currently available? It actually, um, Shout Factory has it. Oh, okay. For a uh, decent Under Quartermass in the Pit or under 5 million years to Earth? Under Quartermass in the, the Pit. Oh, okay. Um. But it's it's a lot of fun. It's I mean it has horror elements like a lot of these other films too. It's very suspenseful. Um, so yeah, I would just throw a shout out for that as well. Real real quickly, is there a film that it just pained you not to have on the list a personal favorite, but it just didn't have that criteria to make it into the top ten? I'll start off by saying um, Logan's Run. Yeah, that was a f- not to be able to to throw that in there. I kept thinking about it, but I just couldn't. I couldn't see like it's not influential enough. Uh, it was in um, my top fifty, but it it didn't make it past right. The 40s if it was just like my my top, you know, favorite fun films to sit and watch, sure. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then I probably would throw in some other like seventies movies like Omega Man. There you go. You know, um, Terminator. Uh, Terminator was close. Terminator, Terminator almost right. hit the yeah. list, you know. Soylent Green? Soylent Green would have been a... Uh, I don't know if it's really sci-fi. Uh, it, it's sci-fi. Kind of like Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price. I, I, I feel that Omega Man is more sci... Oh, I don't know. I guess we could talk about that, but... What else, Bob? Soylent Green and what, what hurt not put yeah. on... Well, you know... You go favorite sci-fi films? Yeah. I'd put The Iron Giant up there. Ah, mm. oh, that's a good one. We didn't yeah. have any animated films. No, no, I mean, I was debating. Maybe that should take the place of Close Encounters on my list. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, you know, as far as favorite movies of all time, not even putting it in a category of animated or whatever, yeah. it's up right up there towards the top. I just... Love the movie. I could watch it a million times, and I would still not get bored of it. Yeah. I love that movie as well. And if anybody out there has kids and you have not shown them the Iron Giant, shame on you. 
Hogarth, friend. Oh, God, I'm going to start crying. (laughs) (laughs) No following. We were uh, we were texting last night, Karen, when the, the Creature Feature Show came on Planet Eight. Uh, you know, Bob and I were there. You were with us in Spirit Walker. We did get your name on the on the program, <laughs> but uh, uh, I told Bob, "Oh my God, I'm, I'm so excited! It's such an honor." He's like, no man tears. I'm like, I'm holding him back, Chief. I'm holding him back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we grew, we grew up watching Bob Wilkins, John Stanley, and, and now Vincent Van Dahl. It, it was it was cool to be on there. Uh, Anyway, has nothing to do with our top 10 list. So in lieu of our censor sweep, uh, we are going to do a recap and thank you and just celebrate our third anniversary. Um, Unfortunately, we cannot do a live show. I'll tell you, we are we are just waiting to be able to get out there again. We have. Lots of ideas and, and lots of things planned once the pandemic is, is uh, well, I won't say done, but once our new normal uh, settles in. So back on May 8, 2018, your intrepid crew got together and we discussed. I got a one- barn. Let's put on a show. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> that's the inner workings of planet so on on the count of three our first film we we podcasted one two three infinity Infinity war War. and what a fine film that was i uh i rewatched that and endgame uh, a couple weeks ago and lots of tissues well we we did that for uh for new year's we watched Infinity War and Endgame leading up to midnight on New Year's. You know what? Endgame's like three hours long and Infinity War is a good chunk. So you're looking at maybe almost five and a half hours of movie and it just flies. Flies right by. Like the Snyder Cut. (laughs) What? What? (laughs) What? Well, I, I'll tell you, you know, uh, the, the beauty of the podcast is there are so many things that we have not covered. Uh, we were talking about if we're going to have time for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, we're not going to have uh, time for that anytime soon. But <laughs> there's nothing to say that we can't go back to it. Like we've gone back to Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, um, some of the contemporary stuff like The Incredibles 2 we're able to cover you know when it when it first comes out, but a lot of stuff we go back to. Um, we did a three-hour Spider-Man episode. Oh, hey! We did. We, we also did. did we did no Batman. We did. Was that Bob? We did Batman. We did Giant Bugs. We did. We did Universal. We did, we did Hammer. We've had some good guests, but there is so much. We have just barely tip of the iceberg here, kids. Um, we got some good stuff coming up. Um, we have some more guests. Um, coming to the show and um, the future looks bright on planet 8 what can I say the future's so bright I've got to <laughs> wear shades hey and look like I said uh, some some fans have reached out and said hey I'd like to like to be on a show I'd, uh, I'm going to take that up to planet 8 command and, and see if we can do something like that that would be fun to, to be a little more interactive there are things that we want to do on our youtube channel 
Um, you know, we're, we're, we have plans. We have plans. If you guys have we, ideas we have, for episodes, oh, what was that? Where, uh, so we, we have plans. We just don't always have time, but we have plans. Oh, God, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, some of our side projects kind of, uh, take a back seat, um, when it comes to planet eight, but yeah, don't forget this is coming out on the eighth next week. Godzilla's Monster Bash at the Balboa Theater. Get your tickets. BayAreaFilmEvents.com yeah. slash GodzillaFest. All right. And, and Bob, you were saying that there's no weekend passes because of the... No, we have to assign and seats and do the social distancing. So yeah. we couldn't do day passes or weekend passes. It's individual movie tickets. But, okay. Um, but I am going to push... On these shows, we, try, we always try to get a movie or two that hasn't been on the big screen in a long time. So this time around, there are two movies that I'll bet no one in the audience has seen on the big screen. One is Godzilla's Revenge <laughs> with Ichiro going off to Monster Island. And the other is the X from Outer Space. So two gems you will not want to miss on the big screen. But we have a lot of other Showa Godzilla films going on, so check the list and buy your tickets and we'll have the vendors and the prizes and all the normal stuff and it'll be really cool excellent so it'll be fun and safe you know i know it's like picking your favorite child but in, any favorite episodes or any any episodes you think we need a part two uh moving forward well we can always talk about classic universal monsters i i enjoyed doing that one uh, we had Lord Bloodraw and uh, Tom. Tom Worsh. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was for Hammer, right? Well, oh, we talked about Hammer with them, but uh, I know we had Lord Bloodraw for the... Yeah, uh, he was on for Universal. Universal. So maybe, we, yeah, yeah, and the Hammer was the two of them. Oh, okay. Uh, right. But yeah, I can always do more Universal monsters for sure. And, and maybe, you know, we talked about... We had a lot of uh, 50s sci-fi on our list maybe that's something to kind of revisit some sort of overview because we've talked about individual films but maybe we should do some sort of uh yeah. a summary or something well, we did like well, we did creature from the black lagoon we did frankenstein we did werewolves right maybe we haven't Dracula's really done over. vampires though yeah. yeah we could do that dracula slash vampires uh we did zombies We've done zombies. Maybe the mummy. Yeah, just don't go down the Invisible Man road. <laughs> <laughs> Not a big fan. Mummy, nothing, mummy nothing is to see there. mummy is bubbling a little bit above Invisible Man, but Invisible Man, I just I nah, forget yeah. it. Um, I'd like to go back to the Road to the Apocalypse. I think that was one of the <laughs> funnest episodes. No, that was uh, a good one. Yeah, I, I still picture uh, Bob and his dragon mobile. So uh. <laughs> that that was pretty fun. Uh, yeah, maybe we should do sort of like uh, the time Homer had the toaster that kept making different futures. You know? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, you can always do a time travel episode. We yeah. could do that too. I mean, um... we'll wind up with the Morlocks or. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to do some more original Star Trek. I think we did like we, we picked an episode and we talked about it. And then the other 
I think we did. We did uh, a thankful for Star Trek for one of yes. our Thanksgiving episodes. We could do some more original Trek, and we also haven't uh, talked about. I I don't believe we've talked about Wrath of Khan. We did the Star Trek the motion picture. Hmm. Hmm. And like you said, we've never done like a Star Wars episode. Right. So. Uh, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff out there. Maybe we'll throw a list together and we'll put it out on the Twitter and the Facebook and see what people... Ah, we could put uh, a poll together. Yeah, yeah. That might be fun. Or if people want to just put in uh, ideas too, we'll be happy to take them. I'm sure people are dying for a, a full-on Zardoz episode. <laughs> so, be happy to get that together, you know. Hey, Christopher Reeve's Superman. Uncharted uh, territory. Oh, that's a really good one, Larry. That's a great, great movie. We could do Superman and the sequels. and Yeah, I'd be up for that. All right, my friends. Any last-minute comments? Uh, I just – I am really happy, guys. We have had so much fun doing the show these last three years. It's been a blast, you know, just coming up with things and, and doing all the crazy stuff we do. And I really appreciate the listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm – made contact with so many different people through like Twitter and and the website. So thanks to all of you guys out there, guys and gals who have, uh, you know, reached out to us and told us you enjoyed the show. That really makes it for us to, to know that people listen and have a good time. So, uh, you know, thanks for making our day. Indeed. Yeah. (laughs) We're, we're, we're queuing up Casey Kasem now. So in the immortal words of Casey Kasem, (laughs) That has been our top 10 list. Remember, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. Thanks for listening. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.blogspot.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet8podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet8 signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end. It feels like Regis Philbin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is what it is.